0: Hey team, welcome to the offseason. The offseason is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have, and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Offseason. So today I have on John Mayo of Mayo Bros Calisthenics, and we chat everything. We get into headspace, we get into mental fortitude. We talk about his um, early paddling career. We talk about, you know, some unique experiences on the open, cold plains of Cape Breton. His cold water therapy that he gets into, and a lot about motivation and how it's quite fleeting. Uh, this was a pleasure to talk to him and I hope there'll be more with him in the future. So check it out. Hey John, how are you? Good. How are you? Good man. Just uh, a little frost this morning. So we're starting out the day a little bit chilly, but how are things going with you? They're good. I didn't actually notice any frost
1: cause I was lazy this morning and slept in a bit. Was there, where are you? You're in, you're in Halifax, right?
0: Uh, in the valley just outside of Halifax.
1: Okay okay gotcha gotcha. Whereabouts in
0: the valley? Um, you know where uh, Falmouth is? Yeah. It's like right past Windsor so um, yeah this morning I looked out and there was just like a light coating everywhere and I was like okay this is where we're at in the world.
1: Damn yeah you can definitely feel it out there. It's, it's getting a little chillier.
0: I feel like that's your vibe though. I always see you jumping into like cold lakes and stuff like that
1: yeah it's definitely like I don't know I feel like I just kind of go with whatever the season is like in the summer people are like messaging me they're like oh you must like hate the hot weather it's like no I love the hot weather but I just yeah I just try to accept what is happening and then when it's cold I just try to use it and get in the cold water and change my vibe up
0: and just get more accustomed to it I like it. That sounds awesome, man. Um, yeah, so kind of in saying that I always look at your Instagram and you're doing crazy stuff and kind of on the verge of all the recovery tools and Wim Hof breathing and jumping into freezing cold lakes and stuff. How did you get to this point or tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So like how I got into the cold stuff specifically, um, it was actually, I was doing a road trip through the States just after university and I had to bring, I, I couldn't bring very much because it was a car packed full of dudes and bags. So I just brought, um, I think I only brought one book. I brought the four hour body by Tim Ferriss. Um, and that that's like, have you read that?
0: Yeah, I've read parts of it.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's really big. and like The only reason I read it from cover to cover is because yeah, I just had so much time. He even recommends, he's like, don't read this whole thing. Um, like pick it apart right over like years. Um, so yeah, I read the whole thing. And like, there's a huge section on cold in that book. And yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of interesting things in there. Like this guy who just used, he didn't change any other variable in his life. He just um, implemented cold. Like he would sleep without blankets. He would take like ice baths and cold showers. And like, he lost a bunch of weight and claimed that it made him feel just amazing. And then there were other people in there that just used it, not not just for weight loss, but just, yeah, for like as a recovery tool and just for like a mental health thing. Um, So that got me interested in that. Um, And I started like on that trip, like we were in California. So I was jumping in the Pacific and stuff and just trying to to get more used to the cold because it's always kind of been one of my big weaknesses. Um, When I used to, I used to do flat water paddling and when the seasons would change and like when it would get into like the fall or like, you're coming out of the winter into the spring, like I was always so bad, like my speed would just drastically drop my I would just be such a wimp with my hands. Like I just couldn't paddle in the cold. So I was like, Oh, man, this is interesting. Maybe I can get better at something that I absolutely hate. So then I started getting into like, anytime there's cold water around, I was just like the guy that was like, I'm jumping in that. So I just started doing that I would like use my parents place, they, um, they grew up on a lake. So I would do runs, and I would come home, like jump in the water, and I just started doing that consistently. And then I found out about Wim Hof, and I was like, "Oh, <clears throat> there's actually like there actually is something here. Like this is getting like more popular." And then when my brother Brad and I started our Instagram, um, we I was just like, "Well, we might as well just like film this cold stuff. Like we're doing it anyways." Like I think I think I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, you're just doing that for Instagram," but it's like, no, we're like doing that anyways. And then because I convinced my brother to start doing it too um and then we just started filming that and then once the real winter hit i was like oh geez we might as well like make some funny videos out of it so we just started making these weird videos like the first one that kind of went viral i was like eating oatmeal i was like oh yeah what's up this is just my morning routine and uh yeah and then we just like kept doing it and yeah
0: that's awesome people love the cold stuff too it's it's like um I don't know, such a shock to the system. It seems like something so new, but it's like, you know, hydrotherapy has been around since the beginning of time. And we get a little extra fun out here because it gets so cold, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it has been around for a long time. And I feel like it's just the, like the scientists are kind of just starting to catch up to it. And like over, I've just noticed over the past, like past like four years, like when we started our Instagram, it was like just really foreign. Nobody's doing it. Except like a very select few, then the next winter it was like more and more people than that. so like and then Reese it just got to the point where it seems like it's it's just like known like, okay, this is good for me. and like everybody starts is starting to be doing it like just even you know just even casually, like it doesn't have to be like an everyday thing, but it just seems like way less people are commenting on the videos being like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's good. like I'm doing that too.' sick. like yeah.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And like the, I don't know, all the research that's coming down about it is super interesting too. And I find, um, you know, these trends kind of take over. But if we really think about like why we're doing or what the benefit is. So my understanding is if you're like, for recovery purposes, it almost like can stop the adaptation process, right? So it's a pure recovery tactic versus um, for some athletes if they use it in some instances, it can actually build a um, adaptation process as well. So I think like the real interesting part of all of this is how do we use it and how do we use it effectively for certain athletes or certain populations to gain benefit? So what did you notice with starting it you all? Know?
1: Yeah. The main thing for me, like I wasn't even necessarily using it as a recovery tool in terms of like reducing inflammation and just trying to like bounce back quicker. I was just kind of doing it. I was doing it for that, but not primarily. It was like, I just noticed immediately, like anytime I did it, it was like, if I was lacking energy or if like my mind was a little foggy, like I would just do that. And it was like, boom, just like a primal burst of just back in the zone and the flow state. And The more I read into it, the more it talked about, like, the mammalian dive reflex of, like, when cold water hits the human face. It's, like, it's basically, like, preparing you to, like, go underwater for long periods of time. So, it's just, like, you're just, like, zoning right in and just, like, preparing for battle. So, uh, yeah, that's, like, initially kind of, like, why it it just intrigued me, just the way it just immediately made me feel better. Um, And it was interesting just kind of reading about why that was um, but yeah, I actually forget your question now. I'm rambling.
0: <laughs> no worries. It's all good. So tell me about like your athletic past. Like what sports were you in? What kind of athlete were you?
1: Yeah. So I, the first, like when I was real young, like I was kind of into soccer and then I kind of get into running. But the first sport that I like really started to take seriously was um, paddling, like flat water, kayaking. Um, a lot of people don't know what I mean when I say that. So it's like not river rapids. It's like, you have specific lanes and you're on water that is hopefully flat, sometimes super windy and crappy. And you're just kind of like drag racing down. Like it's in the Olympics. You have like doubles, quads, singles, um, and you do different distances. Like you might do 200, 500, Um, if you're young, sometimes you do like a 6,000. So you do like laps around the course. So that was like the first sport that I really got into, um, and yeah like I was not very good initially and then I started to get better and then I fell off and sucked for a while and then I just like got better again and then like really started liking it but then when I kind of started peaking um, like a lot of like this cl- specific club that I went to like a lot of athletes just like peaked young um, we just really got trained super hard didn't really have a lot of recovery time at all like it was it was really tough and uh i was like preparing for these uh, junior worlds trials like i I'd, I'd done i competed nationally i'd won um the thousand and the six thousand meter nationally in my second year of midget which i was just probably turning about 16 in ottawa and that was like awesome i had been training for that so that was like my first my first like Kind of you know, train for something, accomplish it, like boom, like now I'm on the podium, and it was like really cool. So that was kind of like my biggest athletic achievement up until that point. And then I was training to go to Junior Worlds, which was going to be in Moscow, um, and this was in the spotlight, or this was in my like sight line for like years. And uh, right before it, <clears throat> probably should have been in recovery mode at this point and like tapering, but we were doing this hill workout, and it was just like you had a time, ta- it was like, I think it was like two, two minutes or like two and a half minutes to get like up and down this hill. So like you were running up it hard, but then you were also trying to like, you know, keep your pace up on the way down as well. Um, was this really steep hill and like echo and like this dog chased me and I was just started sprinting down this hill as fast as I could. Didn't really have a whole lot of like proprioception at that point, like was just kind of flailing down this hill, um, had no understanding of the body or like, you know, trying to keep in mind, which muscles I should be using when like running down hills and stuff like that. And, uh, my lower back, like kind of, uh, my lumbar spine just compressed. And when I initially ran down the hill, I didn't notice it. And then I got in my boat after that, after that run and was doing this hard practice that again, probably shouldn't have been doing at that point, but Sometimes, and sometimes coaches just tell you to do things, and you do them. Um, and I started paddling, and I was like rotating. Like it's it, paddling. Like a lot of people are just like, "Oh, you're like just kind of like using your arms," but it's like you're using everything. Like the legs. You're like really trying to create a big rotational power to like get that blade through the water. And I was doing that, and I started going, and my low back just—it was just the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. And like I just kind of shut it down, like pulled over to this dock and just kind of flopped on my back. I was like almost in tears and the coach came over and he's just like, what, like, what's wrong? Like, what, what's going on? Like, why aren't you doing this practice? I was like, my back really hurts. And he was just like, okay, well, can you do it or not? I was like, no, I don't think I can. So I paddled back, came back that night for our second practice of the day. And um, yeah, I just like tried and I went probably like four kilometers and I was just, I couldn't keep up. I just kind of had to shut it down. Um, and yeah, like then we had the, we had the trials and it was just, it felt like a dream. Like I just, I couldn't, I was with all these people that usually I was beating and I just started going down the lanes and I just, they just all took off into the distance. And I was like, well, guess I'm not going to Moscow. And then I quit shortly after that. Like probably I finished out the summer, but I was like really devastated, just like so depressed. And, uh, yeah, I quit like after that summer, like when I started university and, and then I like made a recovery and it was all good. And like, now I'm fine. And I was gonna, like, I was going to go back and try again, but I was just like, man, I just didn't, I never really had. The only passion I had for the sport was because I was like somewhat good at it. Um, obviously like, yeah, there's like really good times and stuff, but like, I was never like, Oh, I love this so much. Like I can't wait to get out there that, that like never really existed for me with that sport. Um, looking back now it's like, I'd love to go get in a boat and like just go for a rip like casually, but competing in it I was never like super diehard um so yeah that is uh, that's like my main sport and like my main taste of competitive athletics
0: definitely so kind of like training and everything like that now I always find it so interesting looking back of how you know rest was never emphasized and recovery was never like a piece of thing so like playing hockey and you know have a whole weekend full of games and then monday's practice was like just as hard as you know your entire weekend and that whole slowing down and letting the body recover just really wasn't a thing so how have you like kind of taken that message and incorporated to like what you do today because i see you go hard all the time now
1: yeah so like that's so true and i think that's true for a lot of uh, young athletes because it's like At a certain point, like you can get away with that and you're trying to like, I get as a coach, it's like, you're trying to teach like grit and determination and looking back, like with paddling, I did learn a lot. And now it's like, I definitely have a capacity where I just like, won't stop. Like if I really get in the mindset, um, I will just like, I'm just not going to quit. Like, I'm just going to keep going. Even if it's brutal, I'll, I'll finish whatever practice or like whatever training is in front of me. But It's also like, I could have just done better in the sport if, if recovery and like, you know, mobility and stretching had been emphasized. Cause like there was absolutely none of that. Um, But now it's like, yeah, now it's like, I'm pretty selective. Like I try to like, I try to just listen to my body a bit more. Like, and I have no shame. It's like, if I have something hard on the schedule and I wake up and I'm just like, oh man, like, I'm just not feeling it. Like I'll just like postpone or like rest or stretch or whatever instead, because on days when you're fresh, like it's just interesting noticing. The correlations now between like, if you can plan and like get your body like fresh on a certain date, like say if you're doing like a timed run or something or like some sort of like intense workout or like a ride or something like that, if you can like plan that out and like make sure that you're recovered fully and you're feeling optimal, it's just amazing how much better those workouts can be. So yeah, I definitely try to be a lot more mindful now, um, for myself and for clients that I work with, like just making sure everything is, you know, you don't, you can't go hard all the time. It's just not, it's just not a good move, obviously.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I would say like looking at, you know, a lot of the stuff and the content that you produce, it's, it's such a fine line all the time of like that adaptation and pushing your body versus like really respecting um, the recovery process. And so many athletes ask me like, well, is it just being lazy or like, should I really scale back today? And um, what's your headspace around that?
1: Yeah, I think there's, I think there is this fine line of like, you know, kind of like kind of like the more mindful yogi mentality versus like a David Goggins just being like, no, no, that's just like your inner bitch. Like, don't listen to it. And like, I think you gotta like, it is hard. Cause it's like, obviously you can kind of convince you can start, like you can rationalize anything. Like if you're like, and I'll, I'll find myself doing it too, where it's like, okay. Like yesterday I was like, okay, I'm doing like this, I'm doing like a 17 K run had it i was like this is on the schedule i'm doing it today then i wake up i'm like oh i felt a little knee pain there like "Mm, i don't know and then it's like you can just start going down the rabbit hole of like okay is this actually a good idea or is it not so sometimes i find it's like it's just a matter of and i'm sure you find this too it's like once you start an activity i feel like the first you know 15 ish minutes can give you a good vibe of like okay is this a good idea or is this stupid like once you start like getting the, getting the blood flowing and like getting moving because I find a lot of times with workouts. Yeah. You, you start them and then it's like, it, you feel better immediately and you're just like, okay, now I'm good to go. So it's like, once you get that feeling and then it's like, okay, no, maybe, maybe that knee pain was legit. Like maybe I should just pump the brakes. or maybe I'm a little too sore today and like, I should just lighten it up. So it's, it's definitely hard to like, it's hard to coach that. And it's hard to do that in your own life because you want to, yeah, you always want to like find that balance of like, what's, what's smart to do and what's not. But every once in a while it's, it's, you gotta just kind of like decide like, okay, I'm doing this hard thing. I'm going to push through and there's going to be points during it where it sucks, but like, I'll just recover super hard afterwards. And like taking that recovery seriously, I think is really important.
0: Yeah, definitely. I love that idea of like at least starting the exercise and see how it feels because you're so right. We can get down that path of like, oh, today's not the day or um, what about like wearable tech? Do you wear anything in terms of like heart rate variability measurement or anything to kind of assess your recovery? Um,
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm kind of like, I guess, old school like that. But it's not because I don't want to. It. It's just straight up like I just don't want to buy a Garmin watch. I'm just like, ah, like 150 bucks. But yeah. I, I definitely see the benefit because I, I use Strava, um, and I know like that's not super accurate with everything. Like it, it's accurate in terms of like distance and time, um, but it'll tell you like you know what zone you're in or like how many calories you burn. I know it's not like super accurate unless you're wearing a monitor or something um, with it. Um, so yeah, it's probably something I'll get this year. I'd imagine like at least at least like a Garmin watch. But I know like. Whoop straps and all that are pretty good. What about you, do you? do you wear those?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, like, I definitely see the full gamut of what's out there. I don't know if anything is accurate enough to really give us a great indication of what's happening. And like, I think for athletes, the biggest part is being able to be in tune with your own body, which of course is super difficult. And I think like mid season for a lot of sports or as things kind of um, get into that, like super burnout mode for sports, it's, it's always interesting to be able to tune in and, and really see what's happening, but there's some really cool stuff out there. And I can't wait to see kind of like what's coming down the line next. Like the technology just keeps advancing. And I think sleep, sleep tools are pretty awesome. Um, and then yeah, I think, you know, the future is is endless, but I often find, too, a lot of people are wearing these wearable techs and and basing how they feel off of them. And, like, if the numbers show poor sleep, then they're kind of like, oh, well, I slept like shit last night, and I don't know if I should get up and do it, you know? So Something I think, like,
1: feeling okay, yeah.
0: exactly, yeah. So, like, really kind of doing a, a check-in with yourself before you look at anything, I think, is is pretty important. Yeah. Um, so I've been looking at all your stuff for Cabot Trail and it's like motivated me so much to want to do that ride. Um, tell me about that experience. What was that like?
1: Yeah, that was that was awesome. It was so awesome. Like, um, so yeah, I had planned, like I, initially it was like me and some friends were just gonna like drive up to the Cabot Trail and just like rip around it. Um, and then I was like, actually I was supposed to, so I was, bo- I was supposed to bike cross Canada this year. Obviously that didn't happen with, with COVID. Um, so I was just like, maybe I'll bike to the Cabot Trail, then do it. And then I was like debating on biking home or not. Didn't end up doing that. But, um, so yeah, me and a friend just like packed up our bikes. I have all the bags now. And like, we just loaded down and like biked up the Eastern shore. Um, and it was sweet. Like I was going to do it solo, but it was definitely awesome. Having, having someone, of them, my friend, Sam, um, it was awesome having someone else there. So we just, yeah, we took off. We biked from Halifax to like just past Sheet Harbor the first night. Um, and then we continued up the next day through like Shearbrook and like Annie we ended up We ended up not following the Eastern shore the whole way because there's that hurricane that like came. So uh, Teddy, yeah, it was a Teddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Teddy. It wasn't anything. So we <laughs> yeah. diverted and we went to Annie Ganesh for like, uh, I think three nights just to kind of like ride that out. And we just did a ride in the meantime, did some workouts. Yeah, and then we continued up the Cabot Trail. It was like really fun, like once we got on the trail. It was a good challenge, too, because obviously yeah, you get in some some pretty bad places sometimes, especially I found after a huge feed and then you get get back on the bike and you're just like, oh, man. But it was really cool being uh, like self-sufficient, like having everything you needed. Um, So like, yeah, we just had our tents and like our sleeping bags and everything like strapped onto the bikes. So that was super cool because it just shows you like what's possible. Yeah, because we went from like I went from my door in Halifax, like right up right up to Cape Breton. And uh yeah, it was intense. Like some of the descents and like the the ascents were like pretty well, there's one where it was like you had to just like swerve back and forth in your lowest gear to get up the hill. But then yeah, coming down, it was like my my computer read ninety-seven kilometers an hour on one of the descents, just like full. You're
0: flying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it felt like, it felt like some formula one stuff. It it legit felt like, so I used to have a motorcycle and it really did feel like I was on a motorcycle, like because of the weight of the bags and stuff and the way you had to move. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Highly recommend. And then we finished at this pizza shop and ate a bunch of pizza and my buddy's girlfriend, um, was in Cape Breton and she was picking them up and driving them back to Halifax. So the car was there and I was just like, man, is this one of those like don't listen to the voice in your head moments and just like bike home. But I, I literally ate a whole XL pizza. And then I was like, man, could I like get a ride back with you guys? And they're just like, yeah, if your bike fits on the back, like it depends on the dimensions it might not fit with the other bike. So I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) putting this thing on and like just hoping it fits and luckily it did. So that was awesome. Got a ride home and it was
0: it was fun. Oh man, what a moment there. If it didn't fit, you just have to gear up so hard. What about like <laughs> what about some like highs and lows on that one? So I know um like well I guess any endurance sport is kind of tricky, but you get to these like moments where my buddy calls it the pain cave that you have to enter. Yeah. Where where does your headspace go for like the lows and then like how does it feel on the highs? Yeah, I think like
1: when you're in those like lows, yeah, it, it, I kind of just try to think about the highs in the lows. I'm just like, all right, there's something sweet coming. Like, just grind this out, or like I try to just do like make little changes. So, like if I'm really feeling crappy. I'll try to like, I, I try to like, just make a little change. So it's like, say like I'm on the bike and I'm feeling shitty. It's like, okay, maybe I should just like, zip. maybe I'm overheating. I'll, like, I'll just zip my shirt down slightly or like grab a drink of water or like grab a quick snack, like any little thing to just make a little difference of like, oh, this is even if it's placebo, like, oh man, I'm just dehydrated. Like just take a smashless water, maybe grab a little salt and just like eat a snack or just like make a little shift just to try to like change your head space a bit. Yeah, like usually I'll just try to make a slight change and be like, all right. thing Or like even positions on my handlebars are like, yeah, I'm going to just switch this up and that'll make it all better. And yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty good. It's, you're right. Like nothing really fixes it. It's just kind of like enduring. And um, for that cabin trip, you guys were hitting like huge numbers every day. Afterwards, did you feel, like what was the sense of accomplishment after that?
1: It was weird. Like I didn't really... I didn't really feel like super I don't know if it's because I'm following such savages now like on Instagram Mm -hmm. but like anytime I do something that I would have used to look at and be like that's insane I'm just like "Eh, yeah that was that was fun like I I didn't really feel like it was more of just like a cool adventure I didn't feel like oh that was crazy because like it didn't in the moment like It didn't really feel that nuts. It was just like, you just did it. You got it done. And then you slept and woke up and did it again. Um, So it was more of like, oh yeah, I did like a cool adventure. It didn't really feel like this crazy physical feat. Um, Yeah, that, yeah, that's how it felt. It was just like, it was just cool to do, but it didn't feel like a crazy thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's the thing about, like, social media now. I totally hear you. Like, I did 100K, and then the next weekend, I think you did the caveat, and I was looking at your Strava, and I was like, well, shoot, like, mine doesn't mean anything now if he's doing this every day, you know? But it's just like, you know, I always tell patients, too, to, to celebrate their, like, relative wins. So we're, like, in this massive... I don't know, life of comparison right now. And you have access to so much stuff. So yeah, I always try to like, even the littlest things, like I can beat myself up over it, but I'm just like, Hey, you did it right. Like, good job. And then now keep pushing, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's so stupid too. Like, and I, I do that all the time. Like um, we did the Cabot trail and then it's like, you look at some guy Strava and like, he did it in a day, so, <laughs> but it's like me comparing it to him or you comparing it to me. It's so dumb. Cause it's like, obviously we both had like completely we've all had completely different experiences with it it only matters how you experienced it so it's like you doing your 100 like the senior is obviously completely different you're doing your thing going through your own battles that one guy doing the Cabot trail in a day it's like he's grinding and pushing and like probably like not stopping to take things in and like i'm camping and doing it differently so just like it's just all like, experiential and it's also different and it's it's really stupid that we do that but like, <laughs> it's so easy to do it like people are looking at the battle and Strava, like oh yeah damn it
0: like, <laughs> yeah you watch people's highs and like uh cory urquhart he's like kicking the mountain on everything and stuff like that so he's like a local biker and you just look at and you're like man i want to get there someday so i think like you know good to push yourself and good to motivate yourself but definitely like celebrating your wins is another huge piece of things hey
1: Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Corey. Yeah. Corey's a beast. He's fast.
0: Definitely. Um, so like now you and your brother have a company that trains people. Is that kind of how it works and mostly online training?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mostly online. Um, I'll do some stuff like one-on-ones, uh, usually in my building, like I have a gym in my building here. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, right now we're just going through this like change. So, um, we're just like restructuring. Cause when it comes to like online business, it's like really all about like lead generation and like online ads and stuff. So we're like restructuring that. I just hired a guy to help with that. Cause initially we had this guy who was helping us with marketing and it was really awesome. Um, like just like running the Facebook ads and stuff. But then like we eventually parted ways, he just got super busy doing his own thing and we were kind of out of his niche. We just were kind of buddies. So he, he was just helping us out with that. So just hired someone new going through a whole bunch of like, really expensive videos to edit. Like we, I basically made these videos, like explaining different courses and different packages that we offer. And uh, I suck at video editing. So I just like sent it off to this dude and he was like, yeah, I can do it, but these videos are long and it's gonna be really expensive. So I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I'm just going to do it. So right now that's in the pipeline. And then we're going to like do these new ads um, on Facebook and just kind of like tell people what we're all about. And then like jump on calls with them and just like explain our different packages. Yeah. So all of like online stuff. And then we have one big, programs like 12 weeks and it's kind of like a hybrid. So it's like one-on-one coaching plus like the all the all the online content and we'll work through people with that over the course of 12 weeks. So that is uh yeah that's what we're what we're rocking right now. And then I, I do uh I do some social media for a gym down the street from me called push and I also just started working um with a startup called Choose Bright. And they do like corporate fitness. So I'll just do these uh, like online classes for people. People mostly are in North America, some some overseas, uh, just like virtual Zoom, live Zoom classes. So yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, what like differentiates you guys from all of the online pool of trainers, I guess I could say, or like, what's your niche kind of?
1: I think our niche is just like functional fitness plus mental health stuff. Like, it's like, I just try to blend everything in terms of like, st- like, I, I, I don't, I haven't really seen anyone. Like I, there's obviously like awesome. There's awesome programs out there. There's awesome trainers. And uh, like, I just haven't seen any, anyone do it all. Like in terms of what I consider to be at all like flexibility, mobility, strength and endurance. Like those, like, I find that, yeah, there's nothing that kind of like hits all of it that I've seen. Like I've seen this one program recently where it's like, they do, they kill it all, but it's like, there's not like an endurance aspect of it. I'm just like, man, I think where, where like, you need a little bit of like, in my opinion, you need a little bit of endurance work to keep going. Like, you can't just like kind of stretch and be super flexible. And that's like, that's like it. It's like, and then get really strong. It's like, you need to kind of mix it all. And then with the recovery aspect as well, just focusing on, focusing on like tuning in with your body in terms of like nutrition and just being aware that, one size doesn't fit all for nutrition. Like we, like I kind of do like whole foods, intermittent fasting, but like when I'm talking with people, it's like, I don't think like that's for everybody. Like, I think obviously you should focus on what works for you and like teaching people how to, but like the main goal in the 12 week program and like the coaching is to teach people like how to, how to listen to their own body and like isolate variables and figure out, okay, like this feels optimal for me, giving them kind of like a path of like different things to try. So you can like figure it out for yourself. Like, all right, this is what I need to do to feel optimal. And I think kind of teaching that self empowerment method of like developing your own routine, that is probably what differentiates us. It's not just like, Oh, like th- just do this. And like, you're going to be good. It's like figure out like what's going to work best for your body. Cause everybody's body is different.
0: Yeah, definitely. I love that you mentioned that about nutrition, too, because that comes up all day, every day on everything. And it just so like people are so passionate about like veganism or so passionate about like keto. And yeah. I think like it's it's tough for people like I've been studying nutrition for like over 10 years and there's still nothing definitive that I could say that may not change tomorrow or may not um And like, it's kind of, as you said, like eat real food as much as possible. And that's probably like a great place to start for a lot of people. Hey,
1: I think so. Yeah. Eat real food. And just like the other thing I say, is just like, if you, if you haven't experimented with even like, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour fast, it's like, if you haven't done that, then you probably don't know what real hunger is. So it's like, don't trust the first hunger pang that hits you. It's like, that's why I think it's like super important to kind of experiment with that. Like, okay, today I'm just not going to eat for 16 hours. And like, I know I'm going to be fine. Like not literally nothing bad is going to happen to me. If I do that, like my body is gonna. but unless obviously you have like some sort of like underlying health issue, or maybe you struggle with like an eating disorder in those cases, of course, like go, go to a professional, like figure it out beforehand. But it's like, if you're like a generally healthy person and you just want to see like, okay, what, like, what does hunger feel like? And I want to experiment with that. It's always, I think it's just a good call to, just mess around with that a bit and just play with the variables. And yeah. And I think the only, and I, I totally agree. It seems like everything's always shifting with nutrition. There's always like a new best diet or whatever. And I feel, I feel like the only thing that is like, seems to be set in stone for nutrition is like added, like added like processed sugar is not good. And you should probably right. cut that back. And everything else seems like so up in the air.
0: Yeah. It's crazy too, though, how like all of the, like treat things that people want and i get it i feel the same way often too but like when you go to make meal plans or go design things like really we're trying to get everyone back to this basis of for the most part you know eating real foods and then it's so devastating to people to take away like their treat day or their their snacks and stuff like that and it's kind of like crazy that we've become to this point where it's like so ingrained in our headspace that like we need it you know
1: i know yeah it's really crazy and one of the things that, that has definitely helped me with that, um, because I just like when I used to paddle, it was just I just ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted all the time. And like I was still just I was in great shape because I was paddling two, three times a day. And then once I once I stopped doing that and I started just kind of working out like maybe three, four times a week, I was like, uh oh.
0: <laughs> this <is> changed. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was like, I am putting on that. This is interesting. So yeah, and then I think like one thing that's helped me a lot is like doing like longer fast, like one to kind of three days and then just kind of like realizing like, man, you actually do have way more discipline than you thought. And like trying to just trying to just see like, what is going to happen with my body and my mind if I do this. And that's helped me so much with discipline in terms of just being like, yeah, I don't need that right now. I'm I'm good. Like I can, I can turn that down. I can just like focus, focus on what I need to eat. Like what I know is going to make me feel good because It's interesting where it's like if somebody knows something's gonna make them feel like shit, sometimes they'll just eat it. They're like, I know this is gonna be bad. Like this is gonna give me indigestion or this is gonna give me heartburn, whatever. And they're just like, I'm just gonna do it though, because like whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's fascinating. Hey, that we kind of get to that point or like such an emotional connection towards food, and um, I feel for people like the marketing companies do an amazing job of telling you that you need it and like i don't know the whole world or at least the north american world seems to be very set up towards like if you're sad or if you had a rough day like you get a treat or you get wine or you get something of that respect that like makes you feel good you know totally yeah and i feel like you really
1: like when i'm doing long fast it's like you just notice that stuff so much more it's like you see these food ads and it's like i'm like mostly plant-based i haven't eaten meat in years and i'll see like a burger sign i'll just be like I want that burger. Like, like, <laughs> it's just like you just don't right rate in all every detail. And, like you smell things like way, like way more intensely. Like mm-hmm. I'll just walk around the city. I'm like, man, like everything smells good. Like it's just, yeah, it's really interesting. What, what happens when you kind of like deprive yourself of food for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I agree. And like, I've been fasting for a few years now too. And um, on the female sense of things for some women, it can, um, kind of mess with your hormones a little bit. So yeah, the theory behind that are some popular theories. We don't know for certain why it's such a different landscape for women, but um, we have a peptide called peptin in higher amounts. So um, when we fast, that seems to be triggered. And then women's hormones start to kind of take it a, a slide from there. And even with that happening, it's usually like anything that pushes hormones is like long duration. So you'd have to do it like quite frequently for super long periods of time. So even like trying things and seeing how your body feels with it and like retraining those hunger cues, I think is huge. Hey.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's like, it's, it's liberating. I feel like, cause now when I'm in situations like it's kind of just like, you know, if you're going out, like say you're going to a restaurant that you don't like, but you're just going because your friends are there and you're like, Ugh, I gotta, I gotta eat something. It's like you can just get comfortable with being like, yeah, actually, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm like not hungry right now. And, or if you're like flying somewhere and they have a bunch of garbage food, well, actually, I don't even know if they give you food on planes. <laughs> like, like just doing that, like well, I flew to San Francisco once and it's like, I'm just not gonna eat on this flight. And that feels awesome. Like I, I don't need to. I'll eat something like decently healthy when I get to the airport or whatever. Um, but yeah, retraining the hunger cues is huge. And just knowing that like, it's, you don't have to listen to your first hunger pang because man, it's crazy how yeah. intense some people get. They're just like, I'm hungry. Like literally right now, like we need to figure this out now. And it's <laughs> just, no, you don't like, you're blind. Like, yeah. You, you're, Four hours ago. Like
0: definitely. We get into like panic mode almost and like that habitual response to food. So so many people have been ingrained that like breakfast is the most important meal a day. So they would be like, Okay, well at least I went to Timmy's and got a muffin for breakfast versus actually thinking about it and being like, You'd probably be better off not eating, honestly, you know? Totally. Yeah.
1: That that's like man, that like led me down such a rabbit hole, like the whole the whole breakfast is the most important meal of the day thing. Cause it's like, once I realized like, wait, that makes no sense. Why do I think this? It's like, Oh, marketing. What else is being marketed to me like that? That is just like not necessarily true at all. Um, yeah. I was talking to Brandon Calvi about that um, the other day we were hanging out and it's was just like that whole breakfast thing. It was like, wait, what? Like you just roll out of bed. You just haven't moved in a long time. And you're just like, Oh yeah. I just stuff my face with something. And you know, cause I used to, I used to be huge for breakfast. I, I would just, massive meal like I would just pound a huge meal first thing in the morning and then I'd be like I'm kind of tired again (laughs) like
0: right back to bed kind of
1: yeah seriously
0: yeah and just that going back to like that listening to your body and I think like you would probably agree that nothing that we're ever saying to clients or patients is rocket science and sometimes you almost feel bad it's like drink more water like make sure you know you eat real food and stuff and i mean everyone's looking for this magic pill that they could take and lose 10 pounds and then my biggest conversation lately has been like yeah but like at 10 pounds how is your life different like what has changed for you and why why is it 10 pounds you know
1: yeah exactly like arbitrary goals and then trying to get people to actually envision like okay if you did do that like what would it what would your life actually be like like what would really really change and yeah i think like it's interesting too because the whole the whole magic the whole magic pill approach it's like i feel like even if you did have a goal fulfilling pill where it's like you could just take it and like whatever you wanted your goal to be would be fulfilled it just wouldn't be that rewarding because like you didn't have to grind like but people think they want that simple solution but it's like you don't really want that i don't think you want it like you want to have to get up like three days a week and like jog and like do whatever like go for walks and like really just grind away at it and figure it out because it's like you know it's like if you're playing chess on your computer and it was the easiest difficulty and you just won every single time it's like you want to actually challenge yourself and like figure out the figure out the puzzle
0: yeah that's so huge and um, I lately I've been finishing a lot of like uh, visits with a question like if I could give you a pill that would fix anything what would it do and like it's fascinating that people's first sentence in the office will be like I don't know I, I want to I don't know lose weight or something like that but the pill like when you ask that question, they're like, oh, I just don't want to be tired all the time. You know what I mean? So the yeah. huge disconnect between like what's actually happening with somebody's body and like what they truly want is always fascinating to me. That is interesting. And uh, yeah, energy
1: and like energy and sleep is so huge. And usually like that's, I for, for me, like that's just at the base of the pyramid. Like it's, mm-hmm. if, if that's off, like if, you're, if your sleep's off and like you're feeling sucky, it's like the chances of you, eating crappy like maybe drinking doing whatever just like not working out like the chances of everything being successful just go down so much if you're not if you're not feeling 100% like when you get out of bed
0: yeah and they're doing all this research now on like shift workers and stuff and like they choose more food the next day and more technically processed food the next day because just because of a poor night's sleep you know
1: yeah it's interesting like sleep yeah sleep deprivation is insane like I did uh I came back from Australia a few years ago, did this trip and I was just like, man, I I started doing like a sober month and I was just like, I'm going to do a sober year. Like I was just in my head, just got it in my head. I was like somebody, I think, I think what it was is somebody was like, you can't do that. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it like hundred percent. Watch so me. It. Yeah. So I did it. And like, about the first two months are kind of rough because people are like still trying to pressure me to drink and smoke or whatever. But then once I realized, like, no, I'm actually not doing it, I just kind of became like the hero DD that would always like take people around. But I would still like go out with friends and stuff. And I would stay out until like two, three, four. And the next morning, it was like, I legit felt hungover. And I was like, man, this is like how much of a hangover is really just sleep deprivation because I felt like garbage and I ha- didn't have a drop or anything. So that really showed me like, wow, like sleep deprivation is nuts. Like it's because a lot of people wake up after night out and they're just they just assume it was all the alcohol. They're just like, holy crap, I have a headache. Like I feel lethargic. And it's like, man, a lot of that is just the sleep, I think.
0: Yep, definitely. And like uh, the neurocognitive function that you need daily for sleep. And it, it it blows my mind. Like, I mean, I'm right there with people too. like just, you know, scrolling social media before bed or like watching television and like these slight adjustments that you could make of like stepping away from screens for like an hour before bed or, you know, putting away social media and not having your phone with you in bed and or at least turning it on airplane mode and stuff are such like tiny, tiny things that we can do to make such a world of difference for sleep.
1: Definitely. I'm like right on the cusp of, I feel like making a drastic decision with, uh, with like most social media and just my phone in general. Like, Have you seen The Social Dilemma?
0: I haven't seen it, but everyone's talking about it that I should watch it.
1: It's crazy. And I mean, I watched it two or three times now and um, yeah, it's just so bad, man. Like, because it's just, it is this super addictive thing. And this guy was uh, one of the guys on it, the main guy, I think Tristan Harris is his name. He was just saying how like, you know, when the bicycle was invented and what people weren't freaking out, like, Oh my God, like the bicycle is going to like ruin the social fabric. And like, everybody's like riding and like, they're not like taking the responsibility seriously. And he was like, nobody was saying that he was like, because the bicycle was just a legitimate tool. Like it just sat there and waited for you to pick it up and ride it. He was like, but the phone, it's like literally like you see it on the table and there's a calling towards it. Like you just look at it and you're like, man, like that could give me, that could give me a hit of goodness right now. Like, or negativity. It's like you you get addicted to anything with it and you just pick it up and you're like, let's see what's going on. It's connected. Like, you know, it's every, it's connected to everything now. It's like your fitness, your social, your banking, your email, like it's got literally your life on it. And it's just, I've deleted a bunch of apps, but I feel like I need to delete more because man, it is just bad.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I feel so like hypocritical. Like I could see people right in front of me, like asking for these things and you know the rules. I know like the science behind it and like, you know, you're saying putting timers on it and stuff, but like, why am I not doing it too? Right. It's, it's, we're all the same and we're all addicted to it. So I think like, yeah, I don't know, maybe this is the motivating factor to be like, yeah, go change something about it, you know?
1: Yeah, even like in the, even in the social dilemma, like the, the actual, like tech developers from these companies would be going home and like, they literally made it and they would go home, be addicted to it. And they're like, holy shit. Like, and then, you know, they, they took really drastic measures. Like some of the people in the video, they're like, we don't let our kids on social media because the chances that our kids are going to kill themselves if they're on social media is legitimately way higher. So like, they just started doing all this stuff. And, you know, those are the people that made, the made the apps. And
0: that's terrifying
1: cat it's super scary
0: yeah definitely and then like baby steps for for things so if you I mean we can probably all confidently say that we are addicted to it so like what's step one just like maybe limiting screen time and and all that sort of stuff so it doesn't have to be like a complete or less I mean there's, there's a lot of people out there that do cold turkey stuff too so I think just like the realization is huge and people talking about it more of being you know even going out to dinner, you miss the person that you're supposed to be at dinner with because like you're both just looking at your phones the whole time. Right.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. I try yeah. to just like, yeah, I tried basically just, I'll just leave it at home sometimes. Like if I'm going to the beach or something, I feel like that's a good approach because yeah, it's either like, it's either you leave it or you don't. And then when you're driving away, it's like, Oh shit. Like, are you really going to go back and get it? Probably not. You're probably just deal with it, but i don't think like some people probably wouldn't be able to do that like just leave it and i think yeah i think that's a good recognition like wait i can't be without this thing for two hours like because i'm aware that i'm i'm definitely addicted to it but i just i'm trying like i'm actively trying to be like no okay let's figure this out
0: definitely i was in uh, india for a few months and right before i had left like a couple weeks before i left my phone had broke and then I was like well I can't go get a new one and then like get some sort of sim card for India and then so I was just like I'm just gonna wait till I get back so the whole time I was there I didn't have a phone and then for whatever reason I I was in an accident in India and then on the other side of things I just took a long time to get a phone again and it was literally like the best like I saw a meme the other day and it was like do you remember in like seventh grade and you'd walk home and like there was no timing and there was you didn't even know what time it was to get home so you'd like play on the street for a bit and like no one really cared what time you walked in the door or whatever and just like that freedom that you felt with it was it that's how it felt and it was so awesome so like kind of saying all this I definitely recommend people take like a day or you know a Sunday to just tune out right
1: definitely yeah I had a similar experience when I was in Australia like when I first got there I don't remember what happened but I think what happened i think i like went without a phone and like just decided like yeah i'm not gonna have a phone it was like kind of inconvenient but i still did it for like a couple months and yeah it was the same thing and when i was in i was in brazil 1.2 and like my phone got stolen the first day just like pickpocketed and you're just like well figure it out and yeah you're right you do you do feel like this freedom i i took a while to actually get a smartphone like i would always just I would always just bum phones from other people. Like if I, my phone broke, I'd be like, anybody got a phone kicking around? Because like most people do, but they're all old and shitty. So yeah. I didn't even you know, have apps. Like my, the first time my brother and I like got Instagram, like I had it on this cracked up old phone. I would like try to scroll through. And then finally I got like a semi-decent phone. I think it's still only like a seven, but I just refuse to like be up on that technology. Like it's it's all the same at a certain point.
0: That's hilarious, too, because like you run an online business, too. So one of the main things that I was here is, oh, it's for my business. And like, I, I've i certainly said that before, too. And when I really think about it, like, no, it, it's not. It's just like I'm addicted to it. And then... Yeah. Um, another huge thing that I hear people say, and myself included, would be, um, I don't have time for that, or I don't have time to do anything, or I feel like these days just blow by, and then I think if we really took, like, a good record of how much time we're wasting on social media, it would be fascinating to use that time to do things that you find or bring you joy or exercise, and then, like, how much more fulfilled you would feel in life, you know?
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. Like, i like when I'm, I mentioned, we're doing this restructuring with, with our business. And uh, in that time, I've kind of like, I've kind of like pumped the brakes on social media a lot. Like, it's like, I haven't been posting much at all. Like I haven't even been like engaging um, for like, in terms of like business, like I'll still like do DMS of people message me and say like, Hey, like, what, what's the deal? Like, can you train me? Or like, do you have programs? I'll still obviously respond to those. But I've always said that like, I wouldn't have Instagram if it wasn't for my business. Like I was just, you know, I had it briefly before Brad and I made Mayo bros. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. I don't need this. And I just stopped using it. But even since I've stopped like engaging and posting, I still find myself clicking and going through. I'm like, okay, no, you don't just have this for your business. Like you've been lying. Like you're just scrolling. Like, look at you, you're scrolling through right now and uh, I'm trying to get better at it. But man, it, it's a weird thing.
0: Yeah, it is a weird thing. Um, With a clientele that you work with, I find this conversation comes up a lot for me, and I'd love to know your headspace on it, but um, motivation. And I think um, like the way that I perceive it, and you may have a differing opinion, is I don't really know if there's such thing or such thing that's a constant, right? So the way I kind of explain it to people sometimes is that... um, like it's so fleeting, you can't bank on motivation to like not eat the cookie when no one's watching or like actually put your gym shoes on and go work out when no one's watching. Um, And it has to be tied to like something bigger than weight loss in my experience. So what have you noticed about that? Or what's your headspace around that term motivation?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much said what I would say, like it is a fleeting thing. You're not going to have it always. So yeah, I kind of it's, it's, it's important to like, try to tune in to something deeper. Like you're like, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and it's like, you know, whether or not you did it or not, you have to like, you have to just learn to be more honest with yourself and just try to like make yourself proud and be like, okay, I either can do this or I can't do it. Like, let's, let's figure it out. But yeah, motivation itself. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna like kind of sit around and wait for that to come, like, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get where you want to be. And you won't make, you won't make the changes because use it when you have it for sure. And like, you know, that's one good thing about social media. I find like, sometimes I can like scroll through and I'll look at David Goggins. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm motivated now. Like, let's let's do it because yeah, you can definitely like try to hijack your motive. You can try to like, yeah, override your motivation and just like get in that zone, but it's not always gonna work. So you have to be aware that, you know, the times that it's not there, you have to be just as willing to push through and whatever that is that goes beyond motivation. You just have to be able to tap into that
0: how do you explain that whatever that is so i find like this a little bit difficult sometimes for patients because it's like it's so individualized for each person i'm pretty sure and like what gets you out of bed in the day and what gets you like to put your gym shoes on and stuff without like as you had said watching you know a super motivating video and like I don't know. First, I wish I could like put it into words. And I think if we could figure this out it would obviously be millionaires to say like, this is what it is for you and now go do it. But what, what do you tell clients with that?
1: Yeah. It's almost like, <clears throat> cause some days if you have a goal, if you have a specific goal um, yeah. Whether it's weight loss or it's like, I want to run a marathon or whatever it is, there's definitely going to be days where the goal, it, you don't care. You're just like, whatever. I don't, it, it's not working for me it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'll just skip this. I think it's like, it almost comes down to like, I'm just thinking about this now and I've never thought about it in this way before, but it almost comes down to just like trust. You're like, all right. I like, I have this deep trust that if I do this, like something good is going to happen. Like I'm going to feel better. I'm going to hit my goal because like, yeah, like you you set a goal to run a marathon in three months. Like that's a long time. Like you're not going to want to do it every single day in that time. So it's almost just like, this deep trust of like, just some sort of inherent goodness is going to come if I just do this, like, I just need to do this.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's, it's so difficult. And I think um, that's the thing too. like for habit formation, like so many times we've just built all of these things into our innate being. And I think, you know, that's exactly it. Some sort of like deep rooted thing that whatever drives you and i don't even like using the word drive because it's like a derivative of motivation but like what is it at the core of you where exactly you get up and you're like yeah no i i feel like this will make a change if i do it you know
1: yeah it's it's interesting like how you know even if you're even if you're working out all the time like you hear david goggins talk about this it's like you know you know you're going to feel better afterwards and it's like how is it possible that you still have to convince yourself like okay just get through it it's going to be better it's like we're so we have such bad amnesia with that stuff where it's like you know exactly how you're going to feel you're going to feel awesome you're going to feel accomplished you're going to feel like you check the box for the day but for some reason it's just like uh, maybe and i I think it comes down to a kind of thing it comes down to like energy conservation um like you don't like you want it to be able to survive. Like that's kind of like deeply rooted in our brains. And it's like, you don't want to expend energy when you don't need to, it's like, that's going to kind of like decrease your chances of survival. If you're looking at it from, you know, a strictly evolutionary perspective. Um, so I think it kind of is like that because, you know, in terms of like adrenaline, it's like, if you had to, like, if a car ran somebody over and it was like a kilometer away and you had to run, like you'd have no problem like running there and being like, I got to save this person or if like something's chasing you. You could probably do like a three and a half minute kilometer and just run. But like, it's like when you actually just have to like, kind of rationalize it and be like, all right, I'm just going to do this for the sake of doing it. That can be, that can be really hard because you're kind of going against everything <laughs> in your, in your whole like evolution. <laughs>
0: yeah that's so huge and that's such a great point too it's the same with food like evolutionarily if there was a donut tree back in the day like we all would have ate from that donut tree because you're looking for the most calorically dense fatty sugary object right
1: yeah for sure Funny (laughs) i i was gonna say it's funny you mentioned donuts so that's literally the one food that i just never let myself have i just had to cut donuts out of my life forever
0: why is that just too addicting or what? I was just, oh yeah, I was bad. Like I would,
1: I, we used to swim for like cross training for paddling and we'd stop at Tim Hortons before like our coach would drop us off at like junior high or high school or wherever. And uh, yeah, I would just buy a 12 pack of donuts and eat them throughout the day. And then I just kind of continued that throughout my life. I'd be like, ah, I might as well buy a half. And like I would just crush that. and my friends were like, "What is wrong with you?" And it got to the point where, yeah, one time I went to this like outdoor workout in Point Pleasant, and uh, this guy was like, "Oh yeah, like good workout." He brought like I don't know, I think it was like sixty timbits. I probably ate like thirty five of them. <laughs> I was I thought I was gonna die. I was like, "Shit," and I was, like, like no, literally like that's the, like I'll eat like pastries and pies and all that crap, but it's like donuts like specifically I'm just
0: done. You're done with them that's hilarious you hit like (laughs) maximum donut capacity.
1: Yeah I was like it'll be better for me if I just stop this.
0: (laughs) That's funny what about um so you kind of said like the cabot wasn't really um like an extreme adventure for you have you gone on a lot or like what was the ultimate extreme adventure that you've done?
1: Yeah so like yeah that's actually probably why it didn't feel that extreme because um, I feel like my bar got just like shot through the roof um, over the winter. Like I did this snowshoe across the highlands in Cape Breton and uh, like adding in the potential death factor, just, I, it just like, if I'm not like freezing cold or feeling like I might die now, I'm just like, oh, I can get through it because that was just so insane. It was like, it was just like unexpectedly insane too. Like, you know, I signed up for the snowshoe and it was just like, all right, like physically, obviously I can do this. Like it's 50 K like no problem. So in my mind the whole time, just like physically, this can be fine. And like, you know, I've got some warm gear and like right before we left, I bought some super warm gloves and like some synthetic booties to like wear around base camp. So I was like, I should be good. But like, I didn't know anything about layering. I didn't have a base layer. I didn't have a puffy. I didn't have, um, like I didn't have a shell. Like, I just had a North face parka, drug dealer jacket with, <laughs> this is going to, this is going to be fine. This thing's super warm. It's North face. And I get there and like the guides are kind of like, is that all you got? And I was like, yeah, man. So like they lent me a base layer and, um, lent me some snowshoes. And like, so we start this track and we go from, we went from Inganish to Shetty Camp. So just kind of like straight across. And, uh, the first day was fine. It was all good. And, uh, the second day we wake up and it's like snowing, it's a little bit colder. And like one girl pulls the plug right away. And the, the contingency plan was like the main guide was going to take anybody who couldn't do it. Anybody who thought like this might be bad, he was going to take them out. So he's the main guide. He goes, the other guides still know where they're going, but they're just not quite as good at the nav. I think, I think like this guy was like, this guy was like military level, like really, really good at the, at the navigation. So he pulls this girl out he leaves. We continue. We get to the highest point in Nova Scotia called White Hill. And it's, it, feel, it could could have been Everest. Like it's just windy and blowing and like everything's freezing. You can't, you can barely see the person in front of you and you're just like trekking along. And like, I had these poles that didn't have the little like cradle thing. So they're just sticking right and, easy, you know? <laughs> and like that it's still fine. Like it's still all good. It's like, yeah, we're a little bit cold, but like we get to the next camp, we set up, wake up in the morning. Everyone woohoo. like, <laughs> pretty cold we keep going and I think it was the coldest I think the next the night and the next day was like the coldest that Cape Breton had that winter um so we wait like we wake up in the morning like you can't like it's just so cold like the cold is literally just this thing that's trying to like get you at all times so it's like we wake up and like taking camp down takes like an hour um and people like people we didn't know at this point but people already had frostbite on their toes and like someone i think one, one of the guys had it on his hands but he just like didn't say anything because we're still pretty deep we're, we're still technically we're supposed to have two more days of hiking but it was so bad in the morning and like i was going through like all these mantras and stuff in my head just like man keep your cool keep your cool like it's okay and then like we start trekking out and in my mind i'm just like i am pulling the plug like i was like i'm gonna go tell the main guide like listen man like tell me where to go or like send a guide with me, but like, I'm getting out of here now. Like I need to get out of here. It's just like, I was like, basically cracking. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm freezing cold. My jacket was a block of ice. Like, Oh my God. Like I just wasn't prepared for this. And uh so like we're going, and then I step in a river and I'm, I just, I'm freaking out for the next like eight hours. I'm just like, I frostbite my foot for sure. Like, definitely like, it's so cold. My boots are freezing. It took me 20 minutes to get my boots on in the morning. I'm done. So I'm just like, I'm not gonna be able to bike. I'm not gonna be able to run. Like my foot is going to be screwed. So I'm just going through all this stuff in my head. And eventually I stop and I just kind of like collapse in the snow. And I was like, I got to just like take my boot off again and check and like fix this. And like one, like, one of my buddies looks back, he's like, are you good? Well, yeah, man, I'm good. Like just just go ahead. I'll catch up. And I'm like taking my boot off. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to bring like the paramedic guy back. And I was like, it's fine, man. It's fine. And he like goes and gets the paramedic. But in my head space, like I was so messed up that I was just kind of lying in the snow and you hear of people like dying from like hypothermia and shit. But like, I was legit just like, maybe I'll just like rest here for a bit. And in my mind, I was like, this is how people die. Like this is insane. So the paramedic came back. He like wrapped my foot up with a bag. And we just like trekked on and then eventually the leader was like, yeah, we're getting out of here tonight. And we just like pushed into the night and got out. And then like everybody had frostbite on their feet. And I didn't actually, but like, like I think like five people had frostbite and we're just like in these little cabins, like, Everyone's in the bathtubs, like soaking their feet, just screaming, eating, drinking. Oh my stuff, god! Drinking. It was, like, ah! it was just so messed up. So now, when I do, when I do things, it's like that is my my baseline now. So I'm just like, if I'm not dying, like it's probably gonna be okay. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, that's so crazy, man. And like, such an adventure here in Nova Scotia, like you always think of those ones, as you had said it, like Everest or something, but it's cool. Well, I mean, it probably didn't seem cool at the time, but it's such a cool thing that you could get that experience here too, right? Or something comparable
1: definitely and I feel like that was just a block in my mind like I was like we're in Nova Scotia it's not gonna be that intense like what it's just the highlands but then you get up there in like midwinter and it's vicious like and there's not a lot of cover like mm-hmm. there are little tree patches you would weave your way through and you're trying to like avoid falling into like the snow the snow wells or whatever they're called tree wells um where it's like you if you get too close to the tree like you, you're in the treetops and if you get too close to the tree you can just drop into it So it's like and then when you're out of those though there's no cover these big barren lands you're crossing lakes and it's just the wind is just relentless it was it was insane
0: i always think like uh well hearing stories like that the movie like the revenant or um you know like when you see the heritage commercials of people traversing canada and like setting up shop at different places it's just crazy that they were just wearing like bear skins and were able to do all that too right
1: it's it's so crazy it gave me such an appreciation for that kind of thing and just just for gear in general like Mm -hmm. as soon as i got back from that trip i was like i'm buying base layer i'm buying a jet like i just i don't mess around anymore like Mm -hmm. if i'm just like going for a walk it's like i just don't want to be unnecessarily cold i want to (laughs) make sure i have the right gear if i'm doing cold exposure that's one thing but like i'm not messing around anymore because gear will save your life
0: i love how cold is like such a theme in your life of like I don't know, endurance or something like that, it always seems to be associated with like adaptation or keeping and pushing, hey?
1: Yeah, definitely. Cold is just, oh man, it just sucks so bad. that It does. It sucks so bad that it's good.
0: Yeah, definitely. So like, I think sometimes we look at people doing crazy things and we think that our headspace is somehow different or we think that like um, they throughout the entire thing think, oh, that was easier, like, just get through it. But it's kind of cool to hear your headspace of like, I'm going to die. Like, this is hell, basically. Um, what would you say to that? Like, do you find a lot of people think, um, like, somehow we're different or somehow you're different because you were able to get through that or would have a different headspace through that? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think even like throughout that, I was looking around and I was just like, am I the weakest link here? <laughs> like,
0: you just don't know what other people are
1: thinking. Like I got that in my head. I was like, damn, I might be the weakest link. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, you. everybody gets in those spaces where it's like you just are feeling miserable, whether it's like cold endurance or just like general endurance. But... Yeah. I think it kind of comes down to just like compartmentalizing it and just like step-by-step like, all right, let's just focus on like, let's just focus on like getting over this next hill or like, let's just focus on like getting to camp tonight and then we'll get in a sleeping bag and we'll be all good. Um, So yeah, I think like compartmentalization and yeah, realizing that like every, you just, you have a mind and like everybody's mind is just going to go ups and downs. Like nobody's going to be like riding high the whole time. Like it's all good. It's all good. But one thing that one thing that I kind of learned from that snowshoe is like just having like, having kind of like mantras and just saying things to yourself, like over, like I can't, I can't, I forget exactly what I was saying to myself, but I remember in the moment I was like, this is saving me right now. Something like nothing lasts. Like you'll look back on this. like Nothing lasts. Like you'll look back on this. It was some string of those words. Um, And just like kind of getting into this weird zone. Like I just entered the zone where it was like, I almost felt like all the meditation and stuff I did was like starting to make sense. I was like, I don't even feel like a self right now. I just feel like I'm floating through the universe. And like, if I die, I guess I'm going to die. Like I'm out here now, but I think everybody has those ups and downs and it's just a matter of like, I think, I think Goggins always says, it's like, just, just literally take the next step, Like just Mm -hmm. do the one more thing that's going to make you process, make you progress just like forward, forward momentum at all point at all times.
0: Definitely. No, that's so key. Um, so you're into meditation. I've seen you do some breath work. You have the blue light blocking glasses on. You're kind of into all of this. Um, I mean, like which theoretically for a lot of it is the oldest, you know, recovery tools and the oldest form of self-care, but, you know, it's taking a resurgence now. What has been the most beneficial or what do you, um, find really like has changed you or, or, you know, instilled a lot of growth in you?
1: Um, in terms of like meditation and mindfulness.
0: Yeah. And like if any breathwork tools that you use or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I kind of, um, I kind of use meditation and breathwork. I'll kind of do them as one. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you probably know about this, but there's a lot of like interesting research and books coming out on like nasal breathing. Yeah. That's, and yeah, that's really interesting. Like it just, seems counterintuitive, like you get more breath in doing this, but it's like the quality of nasal breathing. Like, yeah. So I've tried to do that more, even running yesterday, I would like try to do one kilometer nasal breathing, one kilometer, just regular breathing. And yeah, it it is interesting how it's almost like difficult at the beginning to just breathe through your nose and like, you, it's like panicky, but then you just get in the rhythm of it and it's actually okay. And I'm trying to do that more, but in terms of, uh, breath work. Yeah. Usually when I'm doing meditations, I'll just focus on like six seconds in six seconds out through the note through the nose. Then every once in a while I'll do, uh, I'll do um, where it's like, I'll just breathe normally and I'll just plug my nose and just see how long I can hold it. Um, and then sometimes I'll do like the Wim Hof style and then pause and see how long I can hold it. And just messing around like that. But uh, meditation itself, I think that like the main benefit, the app I use is called waking up by Sam Harris. And he always talks about how, you know, Your whole life is a meditation, but it's like you have like formal practice, and then you have your regular life. And if you can just like, if you can just like bridge that gap and just make it all one thing, like that's kind of the goal. Um, So I'm getting better at that, you know, like trying to just like tune into that mind state that you achieve when you're when you're meditating, and just trying to trying to bring that into your day to day life, and just tap in at different moments, and just be like, okay, like let's let's focus right now. And, uh, let's be aware of what's going on because yeah, med- meditate. It's like, it's interesting. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, if I'm going to do like, if I don't do this often, but it's like, if I'm going to do like an hour meditation, it takes me way more motivation to do that than a two hour run or like a huge ride. It's like, it's really hard to be like, okay, I'm just going to put it all aside and just sit down and not be productive for an hour, like that's really hard for me to do. Um, but then I think that's why I do it because I'm like, oh, this is gonna be challenging. I should probably do this. Um, yeah, I think the main thing with with meditation is just yeah, being comfortable with just stillness and just kind of sitting there and observing your mind because. I'd never understood how it was possible for people to get that into meditation. And even sometimes on my day-to-day, I forget, but then you get in these States sometimes when you're doing it, where you, where you really see like, man, you could actually dedicate your life to this and not get bored because it is just fascinating. It's like, you're looking, you're looking at like the inner space of what makes you human and like what every other human has experienced. And like the other day I heard described in the meditation of like, you're, sw- you're like a monkey swinging from branch to branch and like the branches are like your thoughts and you're just always always just grabbing the next one and the next one like all right what's going to fulfill this desire like what's going to make me get out of this negative situation and it's just so constant that when you can tune into it and see what actually is going on in your mind you can kind of like reverse engineer it and be like man i can just be better and like have less anxiety and fear and negativity on a day-to-day basis if i do this and i think when you see that like that direct correlation between what what you're doing when you're in formal practice and what you're doing in day-to-day life you can really kind of like make your life better and that is what makes it easier to do meditation when you notice the correlation
0: Definitely, yeah. That's that's absolutely huge, and I think that's kind of how I describe breath work for a lot of people too. Like, using it as a t- you practice it and practice it and practice it for the times that you need it. Like, if you do go into a panic attack, or if you're, you know, have a really low mood and stuff like that. Like, there's so much power to the breath to like bring you back to who you actually are. You know, so um, oftentimes, you know, we'll give. I don't know psychologists or therapists and stuff will give you breathwork tools for the moment so if you're having a panic attack to you know do a color scheme or count your breaths and all that sort of stuff but if you had such like an innate practice that you've built up and worked on for so long that you can recall it whenever you need it i think that would be unreal right like it would stop a lot of those situations from happening in the first place
1: Yeah, definitely. And since, since I've started doing it, I've definitely stopped myself from having panic attacks, like straight up. Like you're just, just so randomly too. Like I used to get panicky and weird when I was hungover, And that's like one of the main reasons I don't drink much anymore. Cause I'd wake up the next day and I'd be like, I am freaking out right now. This is crazy. Um, But yeah, even like, you know, I feel like, especially during COVID and stuff, things got so weird, right? That I feel like a lot of people were probably on edge. Yeah, I would have these moments where I was just like, whoa, my heart rate is like going through the road. Like for no, I'm like doing the dishes and I'm like, I'm going to have a panic attack. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm just like breathe through it and just notice it. And it's like, it's all good. Like just, just, yeah, tuning in, just being aware of like, what is actually happening right now when I'm going to have this panic attack? Like what is going on? Um, And just like really paying attention to the physiology and seeing, and then that can kind of just like, help it go away you know you're just staring the dragon in the face and you're like man are you actually are you actually there
0: yeah definitely no that's so huge and I think like the more we speak to it the more it brings awareness and the more we emphasize uh the practice and the routine it's like you can't be good at any sport if you don't practice it you can't hit golf balls good if you don't go to the range and practice right it's the same with everything you just have to have to incorporate it and have to make it a habit and then when you really need it it's there for you right
1: for sure and I don't think there's anything more applicable than um, meditation and just getting in touch with your mind because yeah your mind literally defines your day-to-day experience it's just it defines everything it's the filter right and if your filter's jacked up then your water's going to suck you know
0: Yeah, that's like a really great analogy. And like, if we continually wake up and tell ourselves, you know, horrible things every day, then like pain starts to generate and, um, you know, chronic disease starts to manifest too, right? And so I think, you know, bringing awareness to these things and continuing to educate, like with all your clients and stuff like that is, is a game changer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool man, you're doing wicked stuff. Like it's it's so fun to talk to you. I'm I'm stoked about like it's just so fun too to have like a closer network of people who are like changing the game a little bit, especially around here in Nova Scotia. Like we definitely have the um branding of like a drinking community. So to watch people, you know, elevate and and change and like that whole theory of you are the people you hang out with most. And I think social media is kind of cool because you get to change kind of the people that you're hanging out with most right so you get to see these motivational people and who are doing stuff and breaking molds is is awesome
1: yeah definitely you're killing it too and i love your love your philosophy and yeah that's a good point too about social media because it's like it is so good but that's mm-hmm. that's another reason why it's so bad because you're like oh man it's so there's such a it's such a balance right of the good and the bad and you, yeah but you're right like, you can just decide like oh, i'm just gonna like unfollow this person or like whatever I need to get a little bit better at that.
0: Yeah, just finding things that serve you and the people that serve you and the people that like continually bring you up. Like if there's every any negative emotions, it's probably a good time to like remove that person and there is such advantages of even me and getting to like message you and be like, "Hey, you want to come on this podcast?" but then also, you know, there's 800 other things on the other side of things that could you know, ruin this podcast or, like, make me not want to do it, right? Because you hear other people talking, you're like, whoa, their podcast is amazing. Why am I even doing this, right? So it's, everyone has this headspace. And I think it's very much so, like, kind of, as you said, using your mantras and your and your um, meditation to, like, build the core of who you are. And then these things that are coming in don't flux that as much, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Just having that steady state. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, like, I was kind of finished with a question if you could like i don't know tell your clients or anyone listening like one thing that you've implemented or um kind of even a mantra or things that you say to yourself like what has it that has allowed you to build the most capacity or, or the most growth and got you to kind of who you are today and that's a good question i might I might take the
1: cheap route out because I heard this quote the other day. I friggin' forget who said it. I don't remember if it was a podcast. I don't remember, but I don't even remember the quote. I remember like the, like the kind of like underlying message of the quote. It was something like, it was something like any, any step forward is progress, like literally anything. Um, It was something like that. I I, maybe if I figure it out, I'll send it to you. But yeah, I think that that's a good one. It's like any step forward is progress, like any anything that you do in the course of a day that's gonna like lead you closer, whatever your goals is, whatever your goals are. Like if you want to juggle, it's like just do it like a little bit of a, a little bit each day. Just take some sort of like forward progress every day. Even if it's like yeah, you said you were gonna journal, it's like do the journal. Just like make just tick one box, even if it's just one box a day, just like tick. Tick one box and focus on your sleep and nail that down. Like be be like a sleep guru, like really crush your sleep. I used to be in this weird mind state where I was like probably for about a year and a half, where I was just like, Man, sleep is for weak people. Like everybody I see is like waking up at 5 30 and like I gotta get up at like five, five thirty and just like crush it. And then I would like, you know, pass out like I pass out midday because I'm so tired. And then I realized that even these people that were saying that they were going to bed super early. So it's like, they're still getting like seven, eight hours. And there's a good book by, uh, I'm rambling. I'm, I'm always rambling. Um, I love it. Matthew Walker, uh, why we sleep. I think it's called Yeah, yeah. It's a book. And he's just like, yo, like 99.9% of people are going to be way crappier. If you have like five hours sleep, like most people need like seven, eight, nine hours sleep. So once you kind of like accept like, okay, statistically, I probably need that. Like, I'm probably not that outlier. Um, it's just so good to be able to be like, yeah, like today I woke up. Like I, I usually, if I, if I, if I can, I try to avoid setting alarms. And I just like let my body try to like wake up naturally and go to bed early and just like wake up when I wake up. And if it's seven hours, cool. If it's nine hours cool. Um, And yeah, and just like being comfortable with, with accepting that and saying, like, I'm just going to get what I need and I'll wake up and I'll be better for it. And I'll still like use my time to the best of my ability, but, uh, yeah, nailing down the sleep and just forward progress, chip away.
0: I love it, man. And like, I'm so glad you mentioned sleep as kind of the foundation of your, um, hierarchy because like it makes better food choices. It's, it's everything. Right. So I think, um, re-emphasizing that and and if people need help with sleep like reach out ask questions where can people find you are you pretty open to i guess you're trying to like break away from social a little bit but yeah. is it so cool if people reach out
1: oh yeah mayo underscore mayo, bros underscore calisthenics on instagram yeah that's like my main thing I'll, I'll I'll probably never delete instagram because that's like the whole foundation but yeah i'm still on there
0: awesome man thank you so much for your time this was wicked very Thanks insightful
1: yeah that was very fun I appreciate you having me on
0: Awesome. Have a good one.
1: Yeah, have a good one.